Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, we are back in full effect in the Detroit Is Different podcast studios. And I am here with somebody that I've done business with uh somebody that is very creative uh someone that i would say uh is making an imprint on nightlife throughout the city of detroit and throughout the region and surprisingly most people would have no idea that this is a black man that's taking over one of the hottest night spots in the city of detroit in downtown goddamn detroit Sam, you the only man I would say handsome Sam. Yeah. <laughs> they say pause. Handsome <laughs> Sam in full effect. How you feeling, my brother? I'm good, brother. Thank you for having me on, man. It's a real blessing, man. Thank you. Thank you. That's for those kind words. That's what's up. That's what's up. Uh, I want you to give a little background of uh, how you or your family got here to the city of Detroit. Yeah. Um. Well, my mom and father, they met... Um, was that in 79 through Pontiac and uh, they both worked uh, my pops worked at the plant and you know him and my mother started dating and you know through all that uh, a king was born <laughs> and they ended up splitting and my mother moved to Detroit and my pops moved to the suburbs so on the during the week I would stay with my pops and on the weekends I would stay with my mom's in the city so that's when I um, first started to fall in love with the city of Detroit. So, originally, y'all from Yaktown. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so I was born in Pontiac. Okay, ain't that something? Yakistan. Okay, so <laughs> did, you, did you go to uh, what I thought was one of the worst built uh, places that ever could be built as far as watching a football game and everything, but <laughs> did you go to a lot of Silverdome Lions games back in the day? No. You know what's funny about the Silverdome is... Uh, that was one of my first jobs, believe it or not. Get out of here. Yeah, when I was like about six or seven years old, my cousins and I would figure out that when people got drunk, they would throw their empty beer bottles on the ground. So we would go up through, scoop them up, take that money and get candy and such and such and such. But mm. yeah, <laughs> so, so the Silver Dome. Yeah, that's what was like my Silver first. Silver Dome tailgating. Yeah, was like y'all first, your first revenue. Stream. Yeah, that was my first little hustle. <laughs> Ain't that something? Uh-huh. Right? We had a lot of. Uh, to be a Lions fan, it takes a lot of alcohol, brother. Yeah, we did all right. <laughs> we did all right. Especially <laughs> the Silver Dome Lions, boy. I yeah, yeah. Silver Dome Lions. It was some tough. It was some tough seasons, bro. Oh, it was horrible. It was some, the it was worst, some very tough seasons. Yeah, the worse they did, the more money we made. Where did, um... The worse they did, the more money. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's too disperse. For a field, it's not like one set parking lot. You ain't got no concentrated effort right. of uh, where to get all the cans from. Right, so, right, like, right. Kids so. can't do that type of stuff mm-hmm. nowadays. I know. Um, Where in Detroit did your mom move to? Uh, originally she moved around the Highland Park area hmm. and then, um, she fell on some hard times and she started staying in the hotels up and down eight mile. Hmm. And, uh, she told me, she's like, don't tell your pops, you know, cause you know, he's not going to let you 
come over here knowing, you know, you stay in hotels and stuff. So I didn't. And uh, we bounced around from hotels all up and down, you know. And Oh, shit. I, uh, on the weekends, you know. Hmm. And it was still, like, that's where I saw, like, a real raw side of the city, especially in the 80s, you know. So, so like, we talking, I mean, even to this day. We yeah. know, like, those motels up and down 8 Mile. Oh, yeah. Um, known for prostitution. Yep. Uh, known for drug trafficking. Yep. Uh, known for, like... And, and they're different strange forms of prostitution so right, like um, right right you know like as people talk about um right now it it, it was labeled but human trafficking right you know yeah. like oh, yeah. you can it, right now up and down eight mile uh michigan avenue telegraph road it's like some of these highlight streets michigan avenue it's some of these motels that you just see where it'll be like, especially back in the 80s, it'll highlight. It's like, we got HBO and air conditioning. Right. Some of them spots, it's a lot of strange shit. It's a lot of strange on. shit. And I've seen a lot of strange stuff. But, you know, as a kid, you see HBO and air conditioning, you get hype. You know, it's kind of like, I, I looked at it as almost like an adventure. And I didn't really realize, uh, I guess, the trauma to all of it until I got older. But hmm. I saw some wild stuff, you know. I mean, you see prostitutes and... You know, they, back in the day, the uh, they used to say, you know, the Highland Park ones were good with the switchblade, and a lot of them were with my mom's friends, you know. And, hmm. you know, as a child, really, I guess you don't really understand what's going on, but um, yeah, it was wild. <laughs> it was crazy, man, you know. Uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, I have a stepsister, but she's like my real sister because we were raised together since we were five, so. Okay. Now, yeah. Shout out to Shamika. And my uh, niece, Savannah. In, in visiting your mom, did you notice such a difference between your dad? Because your dad was still in Pontiac. Was yeah. he still like in... Well, you know, he ended up moving to Madison Heights. Hmm. Okay. Right around the time um, they had split. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was like two different worlds. <laughs> you know, my pops, he uh, worked, like I said, he worked for General Motors. And it was the best of both worlds especially growing up because i got to see the street side of things and also like the i don't want to say it's only scholastic but also like uh the hard working side of things because they just came from two different worlds and when they came together and obviously didn't work out i was like fortunate enough to be sculpted from both of those worlds uh-huh so it really uh just sculpted a really unique perspective on things, you know. Uh, your mom and dad, where are they from? My pops is from Plymouth, North Carolina, and my mom's is from Pennsylvania, Youngstown, I believe. She's from Youngstown. Yeah. And that's a real gritty city. Yeah. Real yeah. gritty city. Yeah, it's grimy. Um, it's grimy. We think of, uh, um, like, it's a couple sister brother cities to me. Mm -hmm. So, like, Detroit has Flint. Yep. Cleveland has Akron. Chicago has Gary, Indiana. Okay. And to me, Pittsburgh has Youngstown. Yeah. You're right about that. Like, yeah. of these cities that were very industrial, but they were kind of like the the brother-sister city, but they took it harder right. when industry fell on mm -hmm. hard times. Right. You know, um, and Youngstown is definitely one of those one of those places. For sure, man. It's, you know, it's... That's a good point you bring up is when, you know, a lot of the car companies and you said the industrial, they leave. It's like 
I don't I don't even think they realized what they were leaving behind at the time. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like I don't even know if, even if they even understood what kind of effect it was going to have on those communities, or even if they cared. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of them ha- they still haven't recovered to this day. So. Yep. But, uh, yeah, you're totally right about that. Okay, in Plymouth, Plymouth, North Carolina, I've never even heard of Plymouth, North Carolina. How Nobody has. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody has. It's very small. And, um, you know, the beauty of Plymouth, North Carolina is, you know, growing up, we didn't go up north like a lot of, like, maybe suburban cats did. Mm-hmm. But we always went down south for vacations, you know. And mm-hmm. when I finally did go up north, I noticed how similar both regions were i guess because it's slower not much really going around but it's like a place to unwind and plymouth north carolina is a very very small town i think the closest familiar town i could be wrong about this it's like raleigh north carolina i figured you were gonna say raleigh yeah raleigh has gotten bigger over the past like i say maybe seven to ten years yeah but it's still it's still slower pace oh yeah for sure i don't even think that to this day, I don't think Plymouth, North Carolina has a movie theater. For better or for worse. But <laughs> 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 they don't have it's a like, movie theater, you know? You got to go town over. <laughs> yeah, they got a, a Piggly Wiggly. Mm. Um, trying to think what else, man. Like, barbecue spots. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But it's dope to see, like, kind of where my pops' lineage came from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, nobody ever knows what about Plymouth, North Carolina, but that's where uh, that's where that's where my family's from. So that's what's up. What about Youngstown? Have you ever visited Youngstown? When I was younger, but you not, don't really remember. Not yeah, not not where I can even remember though. Okay. Because most of it, the memories from my mom's side of the family are just from Pontiac. Mm. So so let's talk about what led for your mom to come to Pontiac and your dad, because I'm guessing they met there. Yeah. Um. Again, I think the car industry. You know. Um. Back then. General Motors, it was hopping, and it was a place where, where uh, you know, a young black man looking for a job, they could still get one without much experience, I would say. Mm-hmm. And my pops and my grandma worked together in the plant, hmm. and she introduced him to my mother and that's how that that's how the connection hits. That is some old. That's school old school, right? Shit. Yeah. So basically, yeah. it's like. Your mother, your your maternal grandmother, right, made the introduction between your mom and dad, right. Like right. you a working young man, you, you believe in Jesus, right, like, right. I got, a, I got a daughter, I got I a daughter for you. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like and that's that's that courting. That's like right, yeah, I'm gonna right. Buy some flowers and candy and come right. over and meet her. It's like nowadays, it's like somebody be like, you want to meet my daughter? It's like, hey, hey, what type of slow down? What right. type of uh, date line setup is this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get me on a charge. Right, 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 right. Uh, and my dad, he, he uh, used to DJ back in the day too. Okay, and I think he'll probably kill me for telling the story, but he uh, he used to go by Disco Sam. Disco Sam. Yeah, and that's how they met. That's what they told me. Where she went to go see him DJ. DJs always get the late. They always do. Yeah, that's when I started DJ. I was younger. But but, ain't ain't that something? Right. Good old DJ. Right. But the funny part is, in the seventies, he was Disco Sam. Disco. And then when the eighties hit, he got a Trans Am and turned to Trans Am Sam. 
trans. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah, that. yeah. So uh, did he have the uh, like the light set up and all of that cool? Oh shit? yeah, oh yeah, oh for sure. And he had a jacket that said trans. I mean, he had the trans and the trans and jacket the whole oh, get up. He the, yeah, uh, yeah, he thought he was fly. He had the members only joint. Yeah, pretty much, right, oh, right, man. right. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get a members only joint. I, yeah. you're, you're really like the third member of like gold medallion between me, you, and uh, and Alex White, the yeah. drummer. As uh, a lot of people don't notice, the reason, like one of the primary reasons I met Alex White, the drummer that I do a lot of my shows with, mm-hmm. is through you. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I gave you the shout out. Like, yeah, man, I'm thinking we gonna do something called gold medallion. We need to make a whole new experience. Going out to like the taco meat era. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope, man. That's dope. That's very, if, very If we dope. get the members only joints, which yeah, we will get, of course. we will definitely get you in that please, mix. Please I see do, like man. I see purple and gold. Like I'm talking about Crown Royal bag. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We make sure it says uh Trans Am Sam on Trans Am In memory, in memory of uh my pops' DJ career. In memory. Trans Sam. I'm with it. That's what's up. That's so. I'm with it. We may have to come up with all them type of names like oh, uh, yeah. oh, Firebird, yeah. Frazier, and uh, all that right. shit. You know what I mean? Um, so let's let's fast forward a little bit um, into your mom and her journey here in Detroit. What do you think led her to Detroit as opposed to staying in Yak? Um, you know, I think that, not to get too heavy, but she had always had issues with family. Mm-hmm. And she was always like uh, a loner type mm-hmm. of personality. So I think it was only natural for her to want to distance herself from Pontiac and around family, kind of trying to go out on things on her own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she dealt with a lot of demons. And uh, I think Detroit was far enough where people really couldn't keep tabs on her. All right. Now, when you talk about like the demons and then being like, in a space where she's moving around how yeah. long was she uh like moving from like kind of like the motel situation up and down eight mile and uh did she settle out of that um and i mean even just seeing and normalizing some things like that as um as just living in my neighborhood some some realities that others have perceived as like we need to do better right 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 right. Um, i just accept it as like being normalized like right like in the summer i expect a heightened sensitivity of of incidents right uh, like violence to happen of course yeah. uh over yeah. just dumb shit mm-hmm. like when i think of most of my friends or most of the kids i grew up with being murdered it's in the summertime right when i think of uh a lot of just situations escalating fast Generally in the summertime. Right. You know, it was right. a fist fight yeah. <laughs> outside my house like three days ago. Outside right here. Because yeah. I live right next door to the uh, podcast studio. Right. And um, and you just hear the escalation. And it's like, eh, they're fighting. Because it's something about shooting where, like, you'll hear the escalation. And then you hear everyone be silent for a second. And right. it's like, oh, man. Almost like it's routine. Almost like it's routine, right? It's scary yeah. that it's, it's so accepted his routine but i think i mean as far as the question you asked it was like all through the 80s and the mid 90s you know i mean just bouncing around from spot to spot and then you know getting yourself cleaned up and then going back out in the streets because it, it was very attractive to her you know she uh 
she was a, a really, really great person. I think that she was the type of person who would automatically see the good in people. Mm-hmm. And I think she probably, if, if I had to guess, felt more comfortable around people that were probably into dirt and stuff because that you know the thing about dirt in the streets is i feel that like it's more obvious what's going on as opposed to being around fake people mm-hmm. who try to present a facade mm-hmm. and then later you find out what the deal is with them as opposed to seeing it right off rip and then judging the person well yeah you do x y and z but mm-hmm. at least i know that's what you're into as opposed to being around like you know so so as you talk about the demons and everything that naturally puts one to just an assumption like she may have struggled with drug addiction herself yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. um and that may have been what at the time we're thinking about the 80s your father right probably had like no semblance of having an understanding of like how do we um how do i have an understanding as i'm even growing to 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 be more in the present of people with uh, mental issues, right. uh, depression issues, mm-hmm. uh, which generally coincide and run right align with a lot of some of the substance abuse. Right, challenges. yeah, thing too. Like I said, they're from two different worlds, so that was so foreign to him. He, he couldn't understand it, and um, you know, God bless my pops because he was the person who kind of kept me out of that. Mm-hmm. But I still, I mean, that's my mom's. I saw, you know, I wanted to see her. I loved her. But now the older I get, I realize how important both worlds were, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, like you said, the eighties, I mean, the night was a wild time. And it was a time that like, I don't think anybody had seen before the way drugs had hit. And these are things that people just, I don't think a lot of people knew how to handle it. Okay, now you talk about the people not knowing how to handle it. Yeah. Um, and, and your father kind of like being in that zone is like, you know, so many epidemics at the same time. In right. the 80s hit fast. Very like, fast, like, yeah. I remember, I remember, this is what's so crazy about the 80s. Um, my dad had like this long-standing contract in Washington, D.C. for like a, a, like a couple months, it seemed like. Okay. So like in 87... Um, I remember like uh, I remember going and living in D.C. for a long stint. Yeah, and seeing all of these people like asking for change. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then it's like they on crack. They on crack. Even right. like remember that song, Yo Mama's on, on that crack, crack rock, rock. Not my mama. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. All right. So like this is around the time it it seems a little bit at, before that, but right. <laughs> like. And then it's like, damn, all these people, all these people. And this is in D.C. Like, yeah. we're, we're riding the subways and shit. Yeah. And then we come back to Detroit, and it's like, like, that fast. It seemed like mm-hmm. that was in Detroit. And it was weird because my mom knew all these people because she went to high school with Okay. Them. So it would be like, it would be like a dude, like, you know, they say sometimes Jitneyan or whatever. Right. Like, at the gas station, like, can I get some change? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, Anthony. Right. <laughs> like, no. You know, my mom, Janella. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's like, damn, my, you know my mans. 
you know, you're a kid. Right. You don't know how to put this shit into perspective. Right. Like, how do they know each other? Exactly. Right. It's like, my man looked like he down to his last. Right. On his last. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. um, so being that it was a whole nother bag. And I mean, this is around the time Barbara Bush with the Just Say No campaign. Yeah. How were you? Did you even like know what was going on did you have an understanding like how did you take it did it impact you know how has that impacted you you know as i got older and i mean older like probably around middle school i started to kind of understand what was going on because again like i said as a child it was like it was so different from my day-to-day at my pops' house because you know my pops got remarried and um it was he was searching and finding his piece of the American dream mm-hmm. where he went to <clears throat> work for GM like I said moved to Madison Heights we stayed there and I think his whole plan was just you know try to work hard and hopefully it will reciprocate back so I can do better for me and my family mm-hmm. so but what comes along with that is not always as much fun as <laughs> hopping from hotel to hotel. You know what I'm saying? So, and <clears throat> my pops ended up turning into, uh, and he still is to this day, a reverend. Huh. So it's just a lot more stricter at pops's place than it is at my mom's. So in saying mm-hmm. that, I didn't really realize what was really going on until probably about middle school. Huh. And I was like, wow, like there's something going on here that's not it's not fun anymore. It's like you kind of see, like I saw, saw some wild stuff. You know, a, a quick story, when my mom finally did get a crib, I went there one weekend, stayed, you know, no problem. Mm-hmm. And then I went there another weekend and the whole house was turned upside down. Mm. And she had started dealing mm. crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I knew that something's going on here. This, mm-hmm. You know, this isn't just like, I'm not going to accept anything you tell me. It's like, I can see it with my own eyes, you know? Yeah. And that's when it, <clears throat> that's probably the first time I started kind of being concerned about the situation because I think as a child, I was very selfish and just not wanting to be in a strict atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But then when I started seeing that type of things, I was like, wow, like, this is bigger than me escaping it's like there's you know my mom's actually going through some rough stuff and yeah you know and that's real yeah for real for real so like um is this it's a lot of layers to the game and and you just exposed one of the one of the number one things where i love Mm hip-hop right yeah hip-hop is as in the music of it Mm -hmm. is probably my it's the most beloved art form I, I know of yeah like so the way Pavarotti probably feels about classical music yeah I feel about hip hop yes. like it's mm-hmm. my expression mm-hmm. with it the tragedy often of it is it talks about the game but it doesn't talk about the game how I see it right and you just went into like one of the number one things like uh, rap categorized in my maturation someone using using drugs is like like being dirty or selfish or whatever but i've always seen the user right as was always like the the first off they were kind of the number one marketing tool for mm-hmm. any drug dealer i ever knew right so many drug users were like uh beloved amongst drug dealers for sure and um the children of 
drug users uh, or people struggling with addiction, let's mm-hmm. use that term, yeah, um, generally kind of become, I would say, almost like godchildren of For drug sure. dealers in, in some mm-hmm. ways For sure. a, along the journey because it's like, yo, my first loyal customers kind of came through your mom or through yeah. your dad yeah so it's like yeah. i'm gonna look out for you the rest of your life mm-hmm. you know what i mean and if you really want to get in the game I, I i plug you in the game right so it it's like a a a, a way between like user dealer all kind of like a, a an amoeba of a culture right almost that does exist uh with its own uh repercussions laws um value system subsets uh uh entertainment like a lot of stuff you know what i'm saying for sure and uh it's funny you say that too because you know throughout all the time this is happening hip-hop is the soundtrack Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and you know i fell in love with it i think my first favorite rap group was the fat boys Oh, so shit. innocent, right? <laughs> but as things started getting that all you can eat, can eat, and disorderlies and all that, I was like, man, this is hype. But as things start oh, getting, geez. yeah, right. <laughs> I, I what's so funny? My nephew just saw the disorderlies. Movie. Yeah, my yeah. sister was like explaining it to him. Mm-hmm. Like these were the fat boys. It was so funny. Yeah. And, my, <laughs> and my nephew just started making fun of them all. It, it was. It's wild because, you know, when you're a kid, because I had just recently watched that movie, and I was like, wow, this, 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 <laughs> this is wild. Is it's wild. It's hor- not only is it horrible, but it's like the whole premise the stereotypes, of it. the oh, yeah, classes. Yeah. It's like, man, but as a child, it's like, yo, I like the fat boys. They living with a rich white dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is dope. You know what I'm saying? But now as you get older, you're like, what the fuck is this shit? But um, the point was, though, is, you know, as the older you get and i felt like hip-hop and drugs and drug selling it all was like this big you know it almost like got the more severe one got the more severe the other got and it spoke through the music and like i said at first you know you like the fat boys but i loved them and then it's like all right well i'm getting older this is kind of corny Public Enemy, Ice Cube, and W.A. I was like, wow, now this is dope. But mm-hmm. it's, at the same time, it's still correlating of what I'm seeing in my life. So it's like, mm. I can't see what I've been seeing and have the fat boys yeah. be the soundtrack the to soundtrack that. To you know what I'm saying? Boy. So yeah. it's like, it's... Uh, yeah. It, it's, just, it's just wild looking back. It's like, man, this is... Especially, you know, after like the Iran-Contra deal and just everything that happened at that time period where drugs were just flowing through the city and then you had Eric B and Rakim paid in full. It was like the era of the dope boys and I had mm-hmm. other uncles and stuff that fell into that. And it's a great period to look back on as far as like, wow, like, you know, you see cats with the big dookie chains and wow, you know, this is, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is like the my version of lifestyle of the rich and famous like yeah you yeah, know what like, i'm saying you can remember almost like the first day um i remember uh rest in peace Juan. but i remember when Juan got a pager okay you know what i'm saying and okay we all the same like we hide and go seek to 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 pick them up mess them up you know yeah. what i'm saying like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the dude you play with and uh-huh. then Juan got a pager it was like damn you got a pager yeah 
he was a lookout. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it yeah for from, sure. It went from wine, everybody always, like, not wanting to go to store with wine. Mm-hmm. This is other, like, culture that, that brings shit to, like, we probably pushing the game on a guy like wine. Right. Because it's like, oh, we got to go to store with wine. That means we got to. I gotta buy regular. I gotta buy better maids. I can't even get flaming <laughs> hot Cheetos. <laughs> we gotta buy him some goddamn. You know what I'm right, saying? We gotta right. get the twin pop. We can't get the macho right. man. And then you gotta look to, out. To, to, to like, yo, I'm buying everybody whatever you want. Yeah. It's like for real. Mm-hmm. It's like two liter. Right. You know what I mean? But this for is sure. through the perspective of you know an 11 year old. Right. Right. You're totally right about that. And that's so. I guess I I bring up you know that those both of the sides of the story because if it wasn't for that relief i guess when i was with my pops i would have fallen into that same mm-hmm. cycle that a lot of people good good smart brothers in my family they just got caught up in yeah and i felt like at the time it was just very easy just to lock people up throw them away and then you know kind of ruin the reputation mix. You know, in the hood, in the streets, it was dope because a lot of these guys are legends. But looking back on it, it's like, damn, man, like they just, these were all just young entrepreneurs trying to make money at the time. Yeah. And you then, know? And then in the ways it impacts other families too. Right, right. As I mean, to this day, you know, like even to people in my family, it's tough. Like, you know, um, you know, aunts or uncles, mm-hmm. you know, they have an incident. And they're going through something, yeah. especially right now with like the pain epidemic. Right. They yeah. may have to just grit and bear it. Yeah, you're right. It's like, I can't run the risk of you giving me some codeine. Right. Because my history with addiction. Right. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. Know? You know, you're totally right about that. You know, and that's some weird shit to say, like, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. going through some pain where I really need pain meds, but right. I can't take pain meds because of my history with addiction. Exactly. Exactly. But what's wild now is not to jump too far off, but it's how we look at, you know, pain med addiction as opposed to how we looked at crack addiction back in the day. Oh, it's to me, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and you see that more, definitely in your position as pill culture and nightlife go Mm -hmm. hand in hand. Hand in hand. Which that kind of goes into the zone of what led you into bartending because I know you as you're one of my favorite bartenders. <laughs> I appreciate I that, man. way the hell out to Rochester. Yeah, time yeah. It with you. you sure did, I don't even man. remember uh, who was like, I don't know who I was kicking it with at the time, but she rolled with me. Yeah. I was like, I'm driving, I'm riding way out because my man pouring and I yeah. told him I'm going to kick it with him. So, uh, <laughs> That's, you probably ain't been back since, have you? Hell no, I ain't been back since. <laughs> but, well, low-key, what's so funny is the bar like next to it. Yeah. Um, my homeboy, uh, from uh, Podcast Detroit. Shout out Podcast Detroit. Bob, okay. Dave, Nuri, and my peoples. Uh, if people think that us podcasters is is like uh, ain't on the same page, them, right. them like the OG. They are the the godfathers of podcasting in the city of Detroit. Yes, to me. yes, I did. But, yes, um, I'm with that. But uh, shout yeah, out to your yeah, podcast some, too. Not to cut you off, man. But this is dope. What you say? I said shout out to your podcast Thank too, you, man. Sir. This is so dope. This Thank is so, you, so 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 dope. Thank you, sir. And I love podcasts. Uh, so. He had me out at like the bar next to it, but uh, yeah. And then it was a studio that I still need to do something with with my man's out there too. It's like a real dope studio, like down the street from there. Okay. But um, but all being said, man, what led you into porn? What led you into bartending? You said porn. Porn. Uh, porn. <laughs> not, I'm not, with not, you. not get live, not porn. 
porn. Well, it's funny you said that because no, I do porn on the side. Okay, I, so I, I didn't well, think I he was gonna not, talk about it on this podcast, I but I'm not messing with you. you. Uh, <laughs> I have not seen you in my ex. Yeah, yeah, stream. King Dingaling, eighty-seven. <laughs> not messing with you. <laughs> That's the joke. I'm playing now. Nah, but... like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> damn, messed up the scene for me. <laughs> that's wild. Right here got, uh, damn, that's my man that looked like Louis Vuitton. Yeah, I forget his name. Yeah, uh, that dude. Do you wear socks when he be doing it? Uh, uh, <laughs> Brian Pumper. Yeah, there you like, go. Oh, he a yeah. Brian Pumper. Yeah, I can't watch this. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> she, hilarious. She's fine as ever. I can't right? watch it. You can't I even mess it. with it now. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, when I was younger, um, I had... I was working at a place called Chicken Chicken Shop. Not Chicken Shack. It was Chicken Shop. Damn, this is like McDowell's to... Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that... But the funny thing is, chicken he... Chicken Shop. Yeah. Chicken yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. That's exactly like how it was. The, we got the McRib. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but the funny, the funny thing, he worked... He used to work for Chicken Shop. And then chicken. he went off and did... Or Chicken, chicken Shack. Shop. Sorry. And then he opened Chicken <laughs> Shop. In Troy, yeah, that's how it was, man. It was, it was wild. I was like, "Damn, can you? Is this legal? What's going on here?" You know, what I'm saying like, you, you put a little more sugar in his barbecue sauce. Uh. But all jokes aside, um, I was working there when I was in high school, and that's when you start, you know, start getting the girls and stuff. And then after a while, people was like, "Aren't you know the guy working at chicken shops not getting numbers?" Hence, my boy was like, yo, come work with me at this place called Camp Ticonderoga, which was in Troy, because I went to high school in Troy. Mm -hmm. And I want to get back to Chicken Shop, because that was one of the first entrepreneurs that I actually met. And I saw that this is something where you can actually start working for yourself. As funny as it was, I had never been that close, because other places I had worked, it was more corporate. So you really couldn't get that close Mm -hmm. to the, you know, I guess the quote unquote people at the top. But anyways, back to the bar, um, a friend of mine got me a job at uh, this place called Camp Ticonderoga, and I was started there running food, hmm. like a food, uh, I call them expediters, so I started running food, and... Uh, okay, when you run food, is that... Okay, I'm trying to think about the setup. You're like the person that... You're not necessarily a waiter. Nope. You're the person that brings out sometimes the food to people. Yep. That's and what you it, put it on the hot thing, too. Well, that's what it is. You know, the server rings it in. Uh, you know, they're back there on the line cooking, and then they plate everything up, and there's got to mm-hmm. be a person to take it from A to B. Yeah. A yeah. lot of places, you know, depending on how they run their business, they don't have a food runner because a lot of times yeah, the server like will just come back. High, a more high-end place has There you go. Runners. There you go. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I started working there, and then, I, you know, the girls started coming. I was like, all right, cool. Well, you know, this ain't chicken shop, so I'm trying to talk to a few shop. more girls. <laughs> but then I started noticing... Man, the waiters are getting a lot more play than the food runners. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, how, how can I start waiting tables? Mm-hmm. Aside from the girls, though, they were honestly just making more money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I, I can get on the floor. I can do this. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I started waiting tables. And then I started noticing while I'm waiting for my drinks, and the bartender <laughs> is making more money than I'm making. Mm. So I was like, yo, let me start bartending. And I started doing that. Hmm. And then, uh, and this is all at the same spot. All at the same spot, like within like months, within like a no, year, a couple like, years, a couple okay. years. I think I worked there for about four, four and a half years hmm. before they finally fired me. Hmm. Good reason. I was 
started to feel myself too much. So I had to <laughs> started go. feeling yourself. Uh, you know, bad customer yeah. service. <laughs> that's, that's AKA bad customer service. Right, 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 right. <laughs> that's, but uh, that's like I ain't working no goddamn Tuesday. Exactly, exactly. Right, no right. They come to Tuesday. see me. They come to see exactly. me. <laughs> right. on a Tuesday. You know who I am? Come in there on Friday. Saturday right. and Thursday night if it's popping. Right, Peace. right. Like, uh, <laughs> you got to go, brother. It's like, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, guess what? You, you got a new schedule. None at all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh-huh. But, uh, but then I just was working my way up at the same time going to college because uh, I didn't really see, like, a, a big future in the restaurant industry, but I just knew that um, – I, I always wanted just to have money around. A lot of people. Where were you? Uh, where were you taking classes? At first, uh, OCC in Auburn Hills. Okay. And then I. St- I so went you away stayed in that same area, like Madison Heights, Troy. Yep. Mm-hmm. In that zone. Yep. Yep. Okay. And, and then, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I went away to Eastern Michigan. Okay, you but, went to Yipsy. Yep. And they still were cool enough to let me pick up shifts on the weekends, so I'd go back on the weekends, buy a ten, make my money, and. Okay. And, you know, if anybody knows anything about college campuses, like, if you have money, like, you're the man. Because well, everybody's Yipsy, broke. Yipsy's a different, uh, a di- or, or I shouldn't say Yipsy. Eastern Michigan. Yeah. I can definitely say from, like, like late 90s, 2000s. Yeah. It was a different culture up in there. A, a it was, way it different It was like culture. a low-key, it was a low-key party school mm-hmm. to the point where, like, I but, used to. I used to sometimes roll up to East. What I will say about Ypsilanti. The the co-ed dorms was was was, was crazy. It was crazy. (laughs) It was crazy. I I say the best hall. It was crazy. I'm married now, so I'm not going to tell any of those whack or wild stories, but it was crazy. Uh, the co-ed door. Let's just say I had to go to the clinic right. once because <laughs> it got too wild. It got too wild. I'm good, but it got too wild. But real talk, though, um, Eastern is one of those schools where, you know, I've been to a couple other campuses, but I feel like Eastern was like, if you are cool, then you can have a good time. But if you're not cool, then I felt like the the campus needs to, like, provide a good time for you, like a central or a Michigan State. I, you know, it was cool, but it wasn't. It's a different kind of cool up there, mm-hmm. which may not be cool, I guess. But you had Ann Arbor right up the road. Mm-hmm. And I felt that, like, a person like me, I'm not, like, a fraternity type of person, not knocking people that do that. But I don't really, like, I didn't go to no games. I was just there. Yeah, but that's the cool thing about Eastern. It exactly. Was like you could plug in or plug out. Exactly, right? yeah. For most yep. of the people I know that went there, um, plug in or plug out. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. I know some people that, that started at Eastern, and it took them, like, eight years to graduate. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, that's, like, the norm. <laughs> but most people are I'd be shocked if a person went to four years of Eastern and like was out like I was up there two and a half years I didn't even graduate mm-hmm. I think the last year I didn't even go to class I was just up there hey, <laughs> cooling Eastern, right. Eastern had a culture it was cool man but um, point of that story was uh, I think you asked me about how I got into the restaurant thing was um yeah, so on the weekends I would go back and bartend, and I had gotten into a house fire up at Eastern, mm. and uh, so you were staying off campus for a second. Yeah, the last year I was up there, I stayed in a house, mm. and it happened where a person that we, you know, during the summertime, the people who, you know, you're not going to school, you go home, 
Mm-hmm. And the people that stay up there, they're either working or taking summer classes. So mm-hmm. a lot of our roommates at the time went home. Mm-hmm. They allowed somebody to move in who uh, wasn't doing none of that and ended up not paying rent. So they kicked him out. He came back 4 o'clock in the morning and burned the place on fire Damn, while we were all like in a, it. That sounds like a very emotional situation. Yeah, that it was crazy. Two roommates. Right, and the wild thing was like I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I could. Cause my that. thing was like that sounds you, like also uh, women were involved possibly in that as well. You know, you would think that, but it really wasn't, man. Think he was mad that, and I didn't understand why they handled it like this. They pretty much like put my man's stuff on the yard, and was like, get out. And no matter what, if you pay him or not, you don't take a person's. I'm not defending it at all because he did some fuckboy stuff, but. Yeah, they just put his it. stuff on yeah. the yard, and the whole time I'm like, well, that's your man, so I don't want nothing to do with this. I'm paying rent. If he's not mm-hmm. paying rent, he's got to go, but there's a right way, and there's a wrong way to handle it. Yeah. So, you know, long story short, he came back um, at 4.30 in the morning and uh, burned the place on fire while we were all in it. Damn. Yeah. Did you get out? That's why. Uh, well, yeah, I got out, but not, I mean, I got third-degree burns over my body and stuff. But I bring that story up because that's when um, that's when my frame of mind started to just change. And uh, that's when I got really serious about pursuing not just entrepreneurship, but just pursuing life. Well, you know what? That's that's deep. Because I could easily see how you get on the getting a revenge bag on old boy right yeah that's i mean obviously that's the first thing you do that's the first thing that went through my mind but the more i thought about it i think the best revenge is uh i don't want to say winning but kind of just getting what you want out of a second chance because the fire marshal said if i was in there for another five seconds i would have died damn yeah so and, you know, I love, that's the third eye tattoo right there. I love the hieroglyphics, but the reason why I got the tattoo was I'd always put this sticker on my wall in my room up at Eastern, you know. So after the fire happened, you know, I was in the hospital. I went back and everything was burnt up in that room except for this third eye tattoo. Ain't that no BS, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, wow. And then I started connecting the dots. I was like, man, if I would have been, if you I guess, in my third eye, bit wouldn't longer. have came into tact and we got into survival mode, I wouldn't be here anymore, you know? Mm. So that's when I started uh, just treating life just differently. And Mm. that's what got me into a mode where I was like, you know, if I'm going to do this, if I got blessed with a second chance, I have to do something where, you know, you have to find your purpose in a sense because it's... Now, now, being that you're younger when this happens and then just... Responding to trauma or yeah. traumatic events, period, yeah. is difficult no matter when. Right. Like, you know, it's it's a lot of people I know that are cancer survivors that don't even want to talk about it. Sure, sure. It's a lot of people that have gone through, I mean, what I just went through with my mom passing that yeah. don't want to talk about it. I don't even know how much I want to talk about it. You right. know what I'm saying? Right, so, right, right. Like, being that you went through a, a traumatic experience, like third degree burns, mm-hmm. sleeping, Yeah. you wake up. I don't even know what that's like waking up. I've woken up from houses in my neighborhood being burnt and right. hearing the silence. Yeah. But in the house, I, 
I don't even know if panic sets in and you even know how to leave. While walking through it. Or if if you just respond like, all right, let me get up and go. While walking through it, you know, at the time I was, you know, me and this girl weren't dating, but, you know, we were hanging out. And uh, she had stayed over that night, hung out, Mm. go to bed. And in the middle of the night, she, like, woke me up. She was like, hey, man, I think something's burning downstairs. I'm like, huh? So I go to the door, not realizing, like, obviously, like, what's the magnitude. air catches fire. Right. (laughs) Right. But this is what happened. We were upstairs. So as soon as I opened the door. Yeah, fire comes. That just fired the black smog off the fire. See, most people Mm. think that it's the fire that's hot. The hottest part of a fire is the black smog that comes off the fire. And Hmm. obviously, you know, heat rises. So as soon as I opened the door, this wolf of black smog came in my room. And I did one of these numbers. That's uh-huh. how I burnt my arm. So uh-huh. then it's like instincts kick in, you know. We were two stories up, uh, open the window, and it's just like survival mode now, you know. And so you didn't even panic. It just. I don't think at that you time. Responded, you, you, just you responded like instinct yeah. and not panic. But some people respond with panic. Of course. As yeah, opposed yeah. to instinct. Right. Yeah. Which is also possibly a natural response. Of course. Of course. Of course. But it's like at that time, it's like. I can't speak for others, but myself, I'm like, man, like, we got to get out of here. <laughs> you know Damn. what I'm saying? Then, we got to really, go. You know what may have settled you in more? It's funny because I've been with, um, you know, like with a woman and uh, and then you hit and then she wakes you up and she's like, I hear a sound. Yeah. And it's almost like. In defending her, yeah, yeah. I have more I courage for sure. For than sure, like if I was by myself, it's like, oh shit, is yeah, this home invasion. <clears throat> no, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And it's like, because you probably were thinking a whole lot more about like, fuck, she upstairs. Mm-hmm. I gotta, we gotta do the right shit right now. No, that's a, uh, <clears throat> that's a good point because it's like, I. You know, when somebody stays at your place, it's like you're responsible for them in a sense. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, no matter what happens, even whether it's a fire or if somebody comes in, mm-hmm. I think only like a, a real jerk wouldn't try to look out for a guest in a sense, mm-hmm. right? So I guess in that mode, it's like, uh, we even, even though we weren't dating, we were cool. And it was like, oh, like I care for this person and this is mm-hmm. going down. And it's like, this is something where I don't want Clearly, I don't want to die, and I don't want her to die while mm-hmm. she's under my watch either, you know? So that's when I say instinct kicks in, because it's like, you know, we went to the window. I opened that boy up, and all this small comes out. And uh, my plan was like, yo, I'm going to hop out the window, and I'm going to catch her uh-huh. as I get out. The weird thing, and I guess it's kind of comical looking back, but I get down, and, like, I land straight on my feet. I couldn't believe it. I hop out the window, boxers, that's Uh it. Boom, waiting for her to come down. But I was so in, like, amazement (laughs) that I didn't break anything, and I landed on my feet. She came down, and I I broke her fall, but it was still a fall. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, I guess... You know, people talk about religion and God and, like, you know, what's proof or what's not proof. You know, I don't have all the answers of what religion to follow, but I do know that whatever you want to call it, whether it's God, Allah, you know, somebody was there that night. 
and yeah. uh, you don't get away from incidents like that the way we did without there being a higher power involved. You know what hmm. I'm saying? What was your other roommate there? Uh, a couple of them were, but their escape route wasn't as big as ours because they were on the first floor. Some were on the first floor, and some were in another, like the front of the house upstairs, where there was like a dip as soon as the window opened. So it's like you dip down, so they could slide off. Exactly. I was in the back on the side, which mm-hmm. was a driveway downstairs. So it's all concrete down there, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but mm-hmm. that um. From that moment on, I was like, you know, I was a person I really didn't want to go to college, but I went to try to please others. And at that point, I was like, yo, I'm not going to do things to try to please other people. I'm going to do things. I mean, to try to not just please myself, but just if it feels right, because hmm. it just changes everything, you know. Now, at that point. What was your perspective on everything like how did your family even respond to some shit like that you know what's wild is i'm not saying my pops and i were beefing at the time but i was really i mean i was up at school i wasn't doing great you know they had stopped funding things and so we weren't on the best of terms and Mm -hmm. my pops rushed right down stepmom rushed right down um my mom eventually came Hmm. when she was you know she passed a couple years but at that time you know she was still alive she came down Hmm. And it was something where through that tragedy, I feel that like um, it kind of brought everybody. Yeah, a lot of positive things happened from it, you know, Hmm. and not even like on some Hallmark corny stuff. Like it was some things that I didn't know how to resolve. Something vast had to happen to resolve certain issues that we were going through. So Hmm. I say all the time it was the best one of the best things that ever happened to me okay now moving forward getting into the detroit scene yeah how did that happen um you know what's wild is a good it's not even a friend a brother of mine adam davis we we met you know freddie I met Freddie. That's, that's how we met. Yeah, Through exactly. My brother was choosing. Yes, yes, my yes, Hebrew yes, brother. yes, yes. Congrats. He just had a baby, too. So yeah, congrats I know. to and, him. Uh, his baby, as we talk about the uh, whatever you believe. Yes. Um, in acts of God, a mm-hmm. higher power. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, his child uh, just had one of those miracles. Happen yes. For exactly. his child mm-hmm. uh, that he didn't even know yep. on a visit here. And we were supposed to meet and talk mm-hmm. and everything and i was like man freddie generally would have got at me and then mm-hmm. i called him he told me about his kid and yeah. what his kid was going through like rush airlifted right to u of m yeah um and right now the kid is kid is kicking and but, that's a, uh, that's beautiful man because freddie is like i'm sure you can attest to this too he's like one of the not only just best people i met but he's got a good soul mm-hmm. and i felt that like uh you know things happen but i just knew that the at the end it was going to work out because he just gives off a good vibe but that's how i met freddie was through adam davis and that's adam we had a band we were uh at the crowfoot we would do shows mm-hmm. and i would dj there shout out to the vicious cycle crew that was the name but mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of artists at the time were trying to build up downtown pontiac and obviously, I'm from there, so I want to be included in that. This is when the Crowfoot was just opening up. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, a lot of people had made 
some uh, some commitments that just didn't end up working out. So a lot of those artists ended up moving to Detroit. And I followed because, you know, I was really excited about building up downtown Pontiac. And then when it didn't end up happening, I was like, well, you know, everybody else is moving to the city. I love the city. And uh, I want to see if I can do something positive down here as well. So he got me a job at Cliff Bells mm-hmm. where I started managing. Hmm. And that's where I met my partner now, Paul Howard. Uh, and what's wild about that is the first week I got hired, I went to Paul and I was like, hey, man, like, I understand, you know, you own, he owns the Bronx and he's got a bunch of uh, building and things downtown. The first week I was like, yo, I would love to sit down with you and pick your brain because eventually I want to own some stuff. And he looked at me, he was like, yeah, 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 yeah no problem, no problem. Like three years went by and nothing happened. <laughs> and then eventually he ended up buying the building, which is the old, uh, it was an old art. It was an old puppet museum. The puppet, well, the puppet theater was next door. Oh, okay. But it was an art gallery. Okay. The name escapes me right now, but he bought the whole building. And he was like, hey, you want to come check out this building? I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll check it out. And uh, we walk over there, check it out. And he's like, ain't hey, you still talking about owning something and i was like damn man like <laughs> i said this like three years ago and he was like well i didn't know you you know what i'm saying to, to fill you out <laughs> you know what i'm saying but it was dope because like he remembered and um in between time we had talked about doing things together and i had done shows at cliff bells as far as like the, the mind fusion shows this is where you and i met mm-hmm. and um they just started picking up steam. So I feel like on his point of view, he saw some. Yeah. And it, it was a great mind fusion show. That was, oh, the was first phenomenal. Time I played with, yeah. Um, first time I, I, I rapped with. Uh, Alex. And okay. A couple different things were happening that year. Yeah. Um, 2015. I was doing my 43 and 67. Meaning mm-hmm. I did 43 shows. 67 yeah. nights. Yeah, 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 Freddie yeah. was like, you know how Freddie is. Freddie's like. You got to meet my man, Handsome Sam. Yeah. He, he's perfect. And I'm like, Freddie, I don't give a damn. I just need to rhyme anywhere. Right. I'll come to your basement. Right. And he was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. And then I came and I was like, damn, this is official. Right. And then, um, so Alex White, mm-hmm. Mike Jellick. Yes. Marcus Elliott. Yep. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? So like, they're Heavy in the zone. Heavy hitters that night, man. Yeah. Even right now, like, I see all of them kind of like ascending in their own path. Right. It's beautiful, uh, man. Still it's love beautiful. all those dudes. Yeah, for sure. All of them have like their own vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done including yourself. I feel like yet. all of us we're, we're yeah. at a point now where we were all. It was very fortunate for all of us to be in that room together, and then now you see what everybody's doing now. It makes yeah. total sense, but it's a blessing that we were all there. But I'm sorry not to cut you off, but that was that was a dope oh, night. It was it was it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I was like Freddie, I'm in there. Mm-hmm. I was like, put me down. And you know what's funny about those mind fusion shows? Is, and then also, uh, your homeboy that did the art for that, he had like some Charles Bronson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, joint. Jason. Yeah, uh, Jason. Jason uh, boy. Shout out to Jason Noman, who now lives in Portland. I used to call him Dr. Evil because <laughs> that was my man. But that was the first person who I, uh, not the first because I've worked with other talented people, but one of the one of the people I'd met where I could tell them my ideas I wanted to do and mm-hmm. the next day he could give me exactly what I wanted. 
Oh, man. Pause. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> <With> the- <laughs> That but sounded Jason, wild when I Jason, said that. <laughs> Jason is a really talented graphic he's, designer. He's dope, man. He's um, dope. Very, uh, very grounded in principle. Yeah, mm-hmm, um, for sure. And and dope, man. And he's the first person I ever met that didn't wear the odorant that I that I actually liked the smell of that. Hilarious. And That's I try to stop. Too, I try to stop wearing you. deodorant, but I couldn't do it. No, no, I get no, too no. funky. <laughs> but you mean he is brother? <laughs> so you can skip a day, right? <laughs> <laughs> but aside from all that, though, uh, that show just had um, all the elements, even down to that Charles Bronson poster. You know, which he's my partner now. But when I showed him the actual poster, I mean, pretty much it's a Charles. It's a, a picture. Oh, Charles Bronson pointing a gun at you, and we put that in the. Mm-hmm. Oh, what do you call that? The, uh, it was in the uh, like the mark, like the marquee, the marquee. yeah, yeah at Cliff Bell's. Yeah, and I mean, think about it. <laughs> that window, I was in there for like a month, and there's like people coming in, mm-hmm. and the joke was, it's like, man, like how many other places can you go where people give you money with a guy putting a gun in your face? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But. He understood the, the integrity of it. So. Yeah, even the doorman, and I've always liked that. The doorman at Cliff Bell's. Oh, like, Rosie. It's um, the position of doorman is often under underappreciated. Yeah, no, for sure. But for sure. it's such a warm feeling when you yeah. get to Cliff Bell's because, yeah. mm-hmm. like, his attitude kind of sets the temperature for yeah. how you look at Cliff Bell's. Yeah, you're right. Like, you're right. Oh, yeah, man. Let me set you up. It's like right, yeah, right, right, right. You just right. so used to ten dollars. Exactly. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars, and come on in. Twenty five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then somebody like that's like, all right, you here with your lady? Let, yep. Let's make sure you get a good space. There you, you get go. A good space. Yeah. You no, guys right want about some that. drinks? You all want some food? We we gonna set you up what you need. It's like okay, <laughs> even if he's patronizing me, right? I like this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you deserve it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> even at that moment, you feel like you do. Mm-hmm. But that was one of uh, that was an important show because I felt like. That was the one where um, you and I got to meet. Yeah. Freddie was there. Everybody who I was really inspired by or got to work with and still work with to this day, um, we were just all there. And and I feel that, like, that was a moment where even my partner now could see that, you know, I had the ability to put something together that was not only Mm. cool but generate a profit. And it was more than just a profit. You also had, uh, man, as you talk about, like, the connections of the people that were in the room that day. Yeah. Just how life happens. Mm-hmm. Michelle Michelle Oberholzer yeah. was, like, getting off the ground with what she was doing with her initiative with the people. Yeah. That's kind of where I met Michelle. Mm-hmm. Um, now she's running for state rep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and her and her people was like... Yeah, you know, care about the people. It's like, hey, man, what you want? $10? Right, right. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. You, you find this over here. Here you go. You deserve $10 anyway. I mean, right, I'd have bought right. you a drink for $10. I gave so her $20. I might as well so. give the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to front. I gave her $20. <laughs> I gave her $20. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'd have bought you yeah, I said, <laughs> fuck $10 it. worth of drink. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, yeah. You're actually doing something to help people. It's like, right, right. Show. And she finds us a fuck. It. <laughs> Hilarious. But um no, it was great and it was a, a um it was just a time that I will never ever forget and um I feel like that was the night where seeds were planted 
where now you can kind of see like the sprouting from all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it was very, very dope. It was and, cool. And now you're running Queens, which yes. like most people are so surprised when I say, yo, man, my homie owns that. Yeah. Like he's a black dude, black dude. He's yeah. not like, uh, uh, like, like he's, he's black dude. Yeah. Uh, pictures of, you know what I'm saying? Fred Hampton. Yes. On mm-hmm. his, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. On his, uh, Facebook joint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, black dude. You know what I'm saying? You know, what's very important to me is, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I had always, like, seen, I had never seen up until, like, probably Roe, you know, Roe Spit, who owns, uh, Burn Rubber. Burn Rubber. Yeah. He was like a big inspiration to me because he was one of the first young black men that I saw own something. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that he didn't have to compromise to be in that position. All right. You were talking a little bit about what Rose Spit did with Burn Rubber. Yeah. As like one of the first black men that are young that own something and own <laughs> something that like had its own essence where it didn't feel like he was compromising exactly trying to uh exactly and cater to a white crowd or or, or older people crowd or whatever right and i excuse me i'd never seen that before and it was very inspiring so i just felt that like when i get into that situation i can i saw somebody just being themselves doing it so i can be myself i would rather fail Mm -hmm. being myself and tap dancing and not getting any money at all you know mm-hmm. because at the end of the day let's not fool ourselves this is still capitalism i want to make money mm-hmm. but the bigger thing is is i want to inspire people i want to inspire other black men and other women and minorities whatever is you know whatever you feel like you're good at learn it and try to own it yeah you know which, what i'm saying which which queens like i say it's it's one of the the culture of Queens is is one of those spots that everybody talks about. Like right. people talk like in, in a pie in the sky theory of like, how do you capture that young audience of people that work at Quicken Loans and young right. black people to come together and, yeah. and, and then be in the same place? Mm-hmm. You go to Queens damn near any night of the week. Yeah. And I swear capacity is probably like, man, I don't know what y'all capacity is. It's probably supposed to be like 50 goddamn it's, people. It's not when much. It's about and don't tell the fire people in I just, there. I just went to court for that, so don't tell the fire marshal. But, <laughs> knock uh, on wood. Uh, shout out fire marshal. <laughs> in Detroit, fire marshal's got a whole lot to do. Like, uh, make sure these damn fire hydrants yeah, that I don't they got work, more, work. They got more to do than come fucking with me. But anyways, yes, that's but, beside the but, point. Uh, yes, they can make money off of fucking with you other than making yeah, of sure course. my fire hydrant of works. Of course, of but, course, um, of course. But uh, as we go into that, it's packed, man. It's yeah, packed, it's and it's it's a different culture. It's not even necessarily the you all have craft cocktails. Some people just buying brew. Some people yeah. just sitting at the bar. It's like one of the places where last time I was there, I'm like, I'm like the the essence of this, and it's so funny. Some of your homegirls that was there, like uh, talking about black men dating white women, uh-huh. and I was like, y'all know y'all throwing Sam under the bus too with this. And then oh, like, but that doesn't bother me at all. I know, not I know. at all, not at all, because I understand it, but at the same time one thing I will say is you have to see not just on that point but you have to see what's in that person's heart and you have to see how genuine the relationship is when it comes to that 
Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying. But on another we note, we ran though, into a discussion about that. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, do you see what's going on around you? Yeah. Like, it's no like. Not only is it black men and black women and white men and white women, right. it's white men with black men. Yeah. White women with black women. It's mm-hmm. like almost like this is a segment of society that people talk about on television. Right. That you don't really see. Exactly. That's what you are getting into when you walk into Queens. Right. And you know, the funny part is, is a lot of people are places downtown. I won't say any names. They, they do little tricks to try to not get certain people in their bars, whether, whether it's they make drinks super expensive or they'll have like aggressive <laughs> doormen. No, no, no. You, you laugh, <laughs> but think about this. Think, no, seriously, think about it. Or they'll have doormen, very aggressive doormen at the bar. And what they think they're doing is um, they think they're pushing some sort of faux culture forward, but they're not. Yeah. They're, they're alienating, and they know they're doing that. And they're doing it to the point where they're legally doing it, and that, to me, is a problem. I know I, I, know you know I got what I'm bad saying? love for you because yeah. I know I'm outside of the Queens culture. I was thinking to myself, like, I'm so goddamn old now. I haven't but you're been not. to a club in But forever. you're not. You're not because if it wasn't me <laughs> meeting – and fucking with you and being inspired by you and taking that with me. You are the queen's culture, brother. I'm, so don't I'm, sell yourself I'm going to come more. No, you're not. Paid, don't I'm lie. I'm paying for two tickets from coming to Queens. <laughs> <and> double parking. <laughs> That's a $45 ticket now in Detroit. It's like, it's like $45 tickets and... Thirty-five dollars worth of drinking. After, that's, that's, after that ten o'clock, is, you get no ticket. You'll be that's right. like eighty dollars worth of worth of expenses. Look, man, along with you gas got a money. nice studio here. You know, I'm supposed to feel bad for you <laughs> about two tickets. You'll be all right. You'll figure it out. You'll be all right. Talking about some two damn tickets. You'll be all right. <laughs> the call is cracking up right now, but you know it's real. It's like but, that's that's old people culture. It's like where yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Where yeah, all right, all right, all right. But I'm like, well, the but real talk so like, it's that's like, like you know, um, you're old when you think about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're young, you're about like yeah. twenty miles away. Like it's free right here. Right. This is this is get your, get robbed lot. <laughs> right. Exactly. But you still risk it because it's free. <laughs> get robbed lot. It's free. <laughs> Stick up lot. <laughs> I, sponsored that's by. That's hilarious. Sponsored we, by the North End. <laughs> <laughs> But um, that is something where it's very obvious, you know, and I felt like my partner and I, I was like, it'd be nice to have a place where um, people from every walk of life could feel comfortable. And it's not these little games that bars play where it's like, you know, this is a craft cocktail. Now, I don't not craft cocktail bars because there's a lot of them that do it well, but there's a lot of places that will just do things to try to. Um, it's like. It's like you all recreated what was, and this is how I know I'm older, <laughs> the Bronx bar field, but it's more light into it. Yeah. You all have an outdoor patio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It doesn't feel as melancholy as the Bronx sometimes feels. Yeah. The food is lighter sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You all change the food menu, stuff like that. I've yeah. never gotten that at the Bronx. It's yeah. Like you go to the Bronx and it's like, man, give me a corned beef sandwich. Right. And then it's like you change the corned beef and they get mad at you. It's like, yo, man, I want a traditional corned beef. Please do not put coleslaw on it. Right. And they're like, oh, right, right, right. Here you right. go. I hear you. I hear you. You be an extra. And it's right. like, look, man, if you put some damn coleslaw on it, <laughs> <I'm gonna have laughs> <a problem. laughs> so um, that that kind of brings brings me to 
We're going to be doing some more stuff together. Of course. got to do course, some more music. Of course. Of it course. was great having you in. Man, this was a real but, pleasure, man. Um, and I'm getting paid for this, right? Oh, man. Paid. Uh, Y'all paid getting with, paid for it, right? Paid with wisdom, my brother. No, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> no, on, all jokes aside, man, like I said before, man, I, I'm a big fan of podcasts. And I'm a big fan of you. And I really appreciate you having me on, man. Loki, we is, need uh, to think about doing something at at Queens. Yeah, man. Like maybe during the day. Yeah, I know you do it. I know it. Them kids, them kids. I know when I was in my twenties, I was not trying to listen to no podcasting. But maybe we do like a daytime shift. We can do it, man. We can do it. And uh, moving forward, because do I, you all ever get people like when do you all open up? Well, it's funny you ask. We uh, just started opening for lunch uh, last week. Do so do people come for lunch? They're coming. Maybe let's especially do a after this, they're going to start day. coming more. Let's you do know, a lunchtime pretty, podcast. You pretty ladies will be there for lunch, right? Okay. No, you ain't going. I'm not, no, all jokes aside, though. Let's do, let's do a lunchtime podcast. We should. I think lunchtime yeah. would be the time where people would be more open to listen because it's like you get into that you get into that 9 o'clock hour. Yeah. The hound coming out in the yeah, like 20-year-olds. You, you, do, you don't want to do a podcast there. At, at 9, nine o'clock, o'clock. It's, it's too When wild. I was in my 20s, it was like, oh. Yeah. American Werewolf in Paris. Wow. It wow. was a YouTube brother. This it was guy's a <laughs> Oh, you saw it? Oh, thank you. That's what's American up. werewolf. <laughs> so, um, so now it comes to the classic Detroit is different podcast questions. Yes. I got to hit you with these three. Hit me. And then we'll talk about what the podcast looks like there at Queens. Yes. Um, one, what was your very first car? Year, make, and model, and what year did you get it? Um, it was a 1998 Corsica, and I got it in... No, was it 98? Yeah, it was 98 Corsica. I think I got it in 2004. Okay. How many years did you have it? Two. Two years? Yeah. Where was the first place you went when you got your first ride? This isn't going to be fly, but uh, McDonald's. Where? McDonald's and McGriddle had just came McDonald's. out. McDonald's? Yeah, oh, it's man. Captain McGriddle. You are, you are so classically black. I know. And the only thing that would make more classically black is if you went to Coney Island when you got your first ride. I know. And what's funny <laughs> is that, that, that McGriddle shut down my whole day. <laughs> Don't <laughs> Not knocking, but whoever's out there, never eat the McGriddle. If you get, like, especially yo, if you got stuff to do. It's like you got your first ride and it was like, yeah. yo. Going to Mickey D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, McGriddle's nasty. <laughs> I know a lot of people that would disagree with you. I know. But I have that subset of black people that are are, are McDonald's over Coley Island. Which is dope, but they're, they're not they're, being honest. They're what with I them. call the surface. Right. They're more suburban ish black people. Right, right, right. And they're not being honest with you because any person that's being honest knows that McGirdle will, will fuck your stomach up and it'll ruin your whole day. Seriously. Like, if you had like an important meeting to go to and you ate the McGriddle and you went there and you nailed it, you're lying. You're lying to yourself. You ate the McGriddle, you're like, yeah, I'll be there in 20 minutes. 20 yep. minutes turns into 45 minutes. You got fucking. You had the fucking doodos and. And you didn't land the meeting, so that's the real truth. You yeah, know? it's like it's like McDonald's. Then it's like good conies. That the, yeah. a good coney is yeah. a grill. It's not even called a Coney Island. It's like it's like Tony's Grill. Right, 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 right. Then right. it's like a hood coney where it's like, yo, man, somebody got shot here like <laughs> two days ago. <laughs> but 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 it's worth the wait. <laughs> like, oh man, you ordered from the wrong waitress. Right. <laughs> Wasn't supposed to try to get her number. <laughs> 
That's heard- wild. Knowing somebody got shot, you still trying to get the number. Hey. That's wild. Hey, man. Let's put it like this. Nikki D's did not franchise because Nikki D's. of the That's food. Dope. You're right about that. The franchise right. because of the reputation, brother. You're right about Nikki that. Nikki D's is one of those places where I'm sure it's been people like, hey, <laughs> that murder ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> let me get that wing ding snack. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And let me get two ranches. <laughs> I ain't got beef with this. <laughs> wow. Uh, Second Detroit is a different question. You're the DJ at the Detroit Fireworks. You get to play three songs. Yep. What three songs are you playing? And you're at Jefferson and Woodward after the fireworks. Um, the first one to warm everybody up would be uh, The Good Life by Inner City. Okay. Because that's a Detroit classic. And okay. if you don't know that, and if you don't know techno music and electronic music was birthed here in Detroit, you should go home get in a bathtub and slit your wrist okay that's a good one the second one would be okay you trying to get the people moving okay because i only got three right yep and the third one i would play on the outro would probably be outstanding by the gap band because that's just a great feeling song this is a great song the gap band yeah okay charlie you trying to hit with the charlie wilson Cause they only got three, so okay. the first two I want to make sure are from the city, and the third one I would want people to have a good feeling with as they leave. Well, you know, Charlie recorded a lot of his music here in the area mm-hmm. because George was here. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So same with, uh, who else was of the band? Uh, Zap, man. Cool, All of those cool people game, from but, Dayton. Uh, the Ohio players. Ohio players the as United, well. United Studios. Yeah, man. Yeah. Dayton, mm-hmm. Dayton yeah. Ohio had a deep Detroit connection sure, yeah. up 75. Like, I've talked to some of those people from Dayton. I need to do a Dayton is different. That'd be day. dope. That'd but, be dope. Um, it was a lot of funk coming out of Dayton. You think of the Ohio of players. Yeah. You think of mm-hmm. Slave. Yeah, Slave is one of my And Steve Arrington. Oh, yeah. You mm-hmm. think of Zap. Yep. Even um, Heat Wave with Groove Line. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, Rod Templeton is from, like, I don't know, one of them European countries. Right. But, but the crazy, the crazy white cat line. produced Michael Jackson stuff, man. Yeah. Rod Templeton, you know? Yeah. He did. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the core of Heat Wave is from Dayton, Ohio. Like, yeah. it was a lot of funk coming out of that small city. And when I was a truck driver, this is old school Kari mm-hmm. stories. That, you know, they sent black truck drivers to, like, the black cities, and they sent white truck drivers of to, like, the white cities. Of course. Hey, Quarry, we're going to send you to... <laughs> yeah, you got the Dayton route. It's like, oh, man, these ghetto kids. Guess who's going to Dayton? <laughs> these ghetto kids. The Dayton route. Right. All right, last Detroit is different question. Wraps up everything. If you could rename Woodward after one Detroiter, who would it be and why? Marvin Gaye. Oh, Detroiter. Um... But you can say Marvin Gaye. Uh, only he, reason he why lived I, in Detroit for right, a while. But the only reason why I say Marvin Gaye is because I feel that like Detroit has like an honor, or not an honor, but like a like a duty to. They have to honor Marvin Gaye better, because I can see that. one of the best albums of all time is What's Going On, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of those photos were shot right in the city of Detroit, and a lot of the musicians that played on that yeah. album are from the city of Detroit. That was the last. Motown record recorded you, before in the they Motown moved. Studios yes. in Detroit. Right. And there's just so much history behind that album. I mean, Barry Gore didn't Barry Gore didn't want to release it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And it just like defied the odds and not to be like cheerleader corny, but Detroit 
continues to defy that. Yeah. And but all jokes aside, you know, I feel that like we, if not us, who, who is going to give Marvin and that era of his life the d- respect that it deserves? LA's not going to do it. You know DC, what I'm saying? Germany's not, you know, Germany's DC not going to do it. has done a little bit in his legacy because yeah. he's technically from there. Right. But he lived most his life in Detroit, like most his yeah. adult life in Detroit. Exactly. Um, You know, I know, because, you know, I know some of the Motown dudes. Yeah. You know, they tell a lot of crazy stories about Marvin mm-hmm. even after it. Like, a lot of people don't know because Barry wouldn't release the music. Yeah. He was just performing those songs at Baker's. Right. Like during the day shift. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about this. Mm -hmm. During the lunchtime. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Lunchtime eating hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. So he would just perform the songs and people were like, okay, this is kind of cool. Anyway, I'm waiting for Charlie Parker to come. (laughs) Right. For sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, it's, it's a deep connection between the What's Going On album and then you know it was just shot the the album cover and all of the artistry for it was shot in his backyard right there off outer drive that's what i'm saying yeah exactly um just like on some off the humble mm-hmm. you know? he was like yo this is how i'm feeling it just happened to be raining that day and it just fit for not fit not only just like fit everything man it was perfect mm-hmm. and i felt that like it's about time that detroit gets behind uh just that whole experience and the whole movement because yep. it's a story that needs to be told and it's a story that needs to be preserved for future generations, you know? For sure. You know, they showed me that new statue of whatever is in front of Quicken Loans. I said, that should have been Marvin Gaye. It should have been Marvin. It should have been... statue was in front of Well, whatever it was. You, you know what I'm talking about? Gilbert? The art structure where it looked like a weird Mickey Mouse thing going on and... Whatever it was, it should have been Marvin. Oh, I was but like, it, was a Dan, it wasn't Dan? It wasn't Dan Gilbert? Yeah, I'm like, I'm surprised. It, was it LeBron James? <laughs> like, I'm going to leave you with a very... Like, contra- traders would have went there and booed. <laughs> I'm going to leave you with a very controversial statement that I'm going to leave. That's what's up. Stevie Wonder should have died in 1982. Mm. Yeah, Stevie. I'm with Stevie. You know why? Why? Yeah, that's what I wanted. I wanted all the attention on me when I said that. Because if you think about it, if you really think about it, some of the best music Stevie Wonder ever made, anybody's ever made, was between, he had a a hell of a run. Mm -hmm. You had Music On My Mind. Yep. You had Inner Visions, Mm -hmm. Talking Book, maybe it's not even in order, uh, Hotter Than July. Songs in the Key of Life. Songs in the Key of Life. These are all songs that, like... Nobody has even come close to making that kind of run. These are some of the best. It's not even just like, it's, you can't label how phenomenal that music is there. Now, you know what you do, though. In your Detroit culture, you take away maybe the biggest song of all Detroit songs, and you did not play it on yours list. And a lot of people don't pick it when I ask them what songs they would play. But you take away, my eyes don't cry no more. Okay, cool. In the Dope. world of Detroit music, yeah, though. No, 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 you're right. You're you right. realize yeah. I have not been to a barbecue. Of course. A cookout. You're right. A graduation. But, but hold on. What year did that come out? That was on uh, the one after. Uh, was that in 82? That was 80 
Yeah, that was eighties. That was that was the one after. That's why I July. said. Yeah, but that's why I said. With uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, part time lover too. Okay, well, maybe he. Should've... I mean, that's one of the rare like Detroit. It's like a mojo hit. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Detroit loves my eyes. Don't cry no more. It's phenomenal. You're right. You're totally right. You're totally yeah. right. They used to do that, to the, that, that starts. Uh, the hustle. Hey, shout yeah. out to the Boblo boat. Yeah. Sharon coming in mm-hmm. from the from the top ropes. She's like Shawn Michaels right now. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's. Hey, she did just shout out as the Boblo boat did just burn down the other day. Yeah, yeah. And she did just shout out. I'm like, why do we tie the Boblo boat? My eyes don't cry no more so much together. Yeah. Or or, or it's hustling into my eyes don't cry no right. more. It's because of the Boblo boat. Yeah, you're right. Mm. All I'm saying is this After that period I don't want to hear any more from Stevie Wonder Because it was so, it was so phenomenal It was so great You want Jungle Fever? No, I don't want Jungle Fever I don't want the camouflage suits I don't want the braids being bald Like, Don't do that to that man Isn't it overjoyed? Overjoyed is a part. Overjoyed made you know one what? of my favorite progressions. I too. still think that's before '82 or '83. No matter what the point is, I feel you. But but I feel like we should do another podcast sometime of talking about Steve, who, we may do a Stevie Wonder, dive on Stevie. A, a deep one because I said that before. People are like, man, that's kind of harsh to say. But if you really think about it, but we could just Stevie, say retired. We no, could say retired nah, after that. But nah, it's so much music nah, in Stevie. Nah, Stevie's got to be dead. Stevie's a. I'm, I'm gonna give you this Stevie Wonder story. Then we are gonna stop this podcast okay. and roll to the next one. But Stevie used to show up at a. Uh, uh, it's a keyboard shop on grass shit in like uh like 17 mile when i was in recording school this guy worked in there okay and he was like yeah man stevie wonder would come in his brother would bring him into the keyboard store like maybe once every three four months mm-hmm. stevie would sit there and listen to every sound in the keyboard like like the shop would open up at 10 a.m and stevie would be there to like 9 a 9 p.m oh wow okay. just listening to sounds yeah but this is how he triggers sounds. Mm-hmm. So like his process with sound was so unique. Even with like, even with like you know like when he was on Yarbrough's and People's Don't yeah. Stop, you mm-hmm. know Don't Stop for the Music. Sure, like sure. his, like sometimes he would just his essence of studio and or stuff the Jermaine Jackson so, that yeah 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 yes. yeah yeah was that even uh, though you know bringing up Jermaine Jackson would never be me but yes I know exactly what you're speaking of look you can't clown Jermaine Jackson clown don't do that Jermaine. don't do that now you Jermaine can Jermaine clowns himself <laughs> hey all jokes aside man I love you brother this was great yes um I never thought I'd bring up a Jermaine Jackson reference <laughs> Then this is my outro is Jermaine Jackson, huh? <laughs> what I really want to say is Reeby Jackson was the one. Remember Reeby, that centipede that track? Centipede. Nah, she was whack too. I love you, brother. I love whack. you, man. Thank you. And uh hopefully we can do this shit again soon. Yes, yes. Yeah, we gon we gonna bring it to Queens. Now that I know the lunch shift is happening, we gonna yeah. bring the we gonna bring the rollout. That's what's up. Peace, peace. Shout out to Guilty Simpson. Peace. Yep. <laughs>